Web3. You might have heard of it because you know that currently we're on Web2.0, where you have interactive applications, where Web1.0 in the infancy of the World Wide Web was basically just text pages that people published and you really couldn't interact with. There was no crypto. There was no blockchain. But Web 3.0 is in its infancy. It has a lot of things going on about it. It's supposed to be better for us. But I might be a little more bullish. You might be a little more bullish. You might love it. But let's talk about it. This is going to be one of many. This is a first. This is one of the first evergreen episodes to talk about Web 3. Let's talk about it. Welcome to In the Weeds with Dexter Johnson. This is a tech podcast all about you, the listener. My aim is to educate, inform, and most importantly, empower you with the tools that you need to face this ever-changing world of technology. So let's get into it, shall we? So what on earth are we talking about when we're talking about Web3? So it usually refers to the decentralized web. So whenever you think decentralization, you think about, or at least I think about, I think about privacy. I'm thinking about like a network such as Tor, where you have different nodes that you hop through in order to receive information. One node does not know about the other node. And to me, this is just huge for privacy. So we think about decentralized applications. We think about decentralized financial systems, such as using the blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I have my own beefs with those, but that's what it is. And, you know, it's much more than just a new way of coding. It's supposed to be a new philosophy. It's supposed to be a new philosophy. So an investor named Chris Dixon noted about Web3, quote, an Internet owned by users and builders orchestrated with tokens. So Web3 is supposed to put the control is supposed to give that control. It's meant as of now to give that control to you, to me, to us, the consumer. And while this is the premise, that's the background, part of me feels like that's not going to always be the case. Because here's the thing, when it comes to Web 2.0, it's a complete privacy nightmare. And the reason why we want new web standards is because the web standards that we have or that we had simply were not cutting it. Okay, so I'm going to refer to that as the colonization approach. The colonization approach. That is what Web3 is. So what do I mean by the colonization approach? So essentially, we've jacked up something beyond all recognition that we feel like we're just going to leave it behind in shambles. It's going to be bifurcated. It's still going to be there. And we're just going to move and pick up and bring our problems elsewhere. So, humans, 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 humans. 
we're, we're a pretty advanced species, correct? I think so. So essentially, many would argue that we have led to the destruction of the Earth. And I would absolutely 100% agree. Using dirty energy such as oil, not giving two craps about the environment, killing animals for sport, all of this has led to global warming, it's led to potential pandemics, it's led to future pandemics. So since we have jacked things up, since the earth is becoming gigantic slabs of concrete with unwalkable cities and unsustainable cities and unsustainable economies and countries and groups, you know what? We should go to Mars. We should put humans in space. We should all live in space stations. But here's the thing. Why have we gotten to that point? We've gotten to this point because of a lack of agreement, lack of terms of service, lack of solutions and lack of togetherness when it comes to everything, when it comes to the management of society. That's why we've gotten to this point. So when we're talking about a new philosophy for Web 3.0, Partially, I do not buy it. I think it's cute and I hope that it works, but I do not buy it 100%. So here's a brief history of Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. So as I noted, Web 1.0, it was the beginning. It was the beginning. It was mainly static content with data and content that was served from a static file rather than a database. And see, when you have a database, you can read data, you can delete data, you can update data, like using end user web forms where you're submitting contents. You know that thing where sometimes you want to hit back in your browser and it's like, oh, this is going to cause a resend of information and you hit resend anyway. That's web 2.0 stuff. And it's the web of social media and instant website creation and platforms that easily allow you to upload content anyone can search and view. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. That's all web 2.0 stuff. And it's often called the social web. And you know... A lot of times people say web 1.0, 2.0, and we just talk about web 3. And while some people, they actually write web 3.0, web 3 is just an additional indicator that things are different in the decentralized web. But see, I want to talk about some of the dark sides of web 2.0. And it was one of the things that I talked about earlier. Because Web 3 or 3.0 is supposed to bring about more decentralization, which is going to be key for privacy. Guys, you know I'm a huge privacy advocate. But here's the thing, privacy. Web apps, which is basically what Web 2.0 is marred by, they're often free. (laughs) But you know that when something is free, there's always a cost. You're paying for it with your data, with your time, with companies tracking you all over the freaking internet like crappy Facebook, or shall I say Meta, which is just as nefarious and just as crappy and just as much of a hellhole. 
they monetize their users. They collect mountains of personal data and they profit on it due to ads. That's what it is. Another thing is that there are centralized authority figures. And you might not think as there are people that govern the web. But take a step back. Just take a step back and listen to the statement that I'm about to make. Google runs the Internet. This is whether you like it or not. Google has become so big, so fast. They've become so influential so fast. Look at Chrome. If things cannot be rendered properly in Chrome, your website may cease to exist you may stop getting the amount of users visiting your website. Your unique views might plummet because it cannot be rendered properly in Chrome. Screw Firefox. Screw Safari. Forget Brave. Forget all the rest of this other crap. Chrome. So here's the thing. Think governments, big tech and Wall Street. These central authorities verify your identity, authorize online transactions, control who can publish content and more. So essentially, Web 2.0 companies act like a benevolent dictatorship. They decide who's allowed in and out, how long they can stay and what they can do. Now, I will say this. Part of me part of me does not have a problem and this is why this is why people whenever you're signing up for a service guys and and this is one of the things that people need to understand in the political realm that people just seem to always conveniently forget when it targets their bigoted hateful speech you agree to terms of service whether you like it or not terms of service It's kind of like when you enter someone's house. When you come into someone's house, there's a terms of service. You might not realize it. You might not realize that there are terms to you staying in someone's house without being kicked out. But let's just say I invite you over. Welcome. You're knocking on the door. Hey, hey, kind internet stranger that listens to In the Weeds with Dexter Johnson. How the heck are you? And let's just say you put your feet up on my coffee table. I don't typically like individuals doing that. So I will give you a warning. I'll say, hey, don't do that or else you're going to have to go. This is essentially like you getting a one hour ban in Xbox Live because you said a wordy dirt in chat. It happens, people. And then let's just say you do it again. And I'm like, get out. But oh, no, you're I, I have a right to be in here. No, you do not. You entered a contract when you crossed the threshold of my home. I own this space, so I make the rules. And this is what so many idiotic political pundits get wrong because they don't get it. They don't get it because no one reads the terms of service. They don't get it. When you sign up for YouTube, when you sign up for Twitter, when you sign up for Facebook, hello, idiots that have gotten blocked off of these networks, deservedly so. When you think you can say what you want to in someone else's space, uh, 
you could get kicked out. And it makes perfect sense. No one is censoring you. You made a decision to do something stupid. You made a decision to think you're above whatever platform you're on. Like when you come to someone else's house, you don't get to dictate things because you don't pay bills there. You have not set forth anything in rotation there. You are a visitor. I am a visitor to YouTube. I utilize Anchor to publish my podcast, but I have to agree to their terms or else I can be deemed benevolent. I can get kicked off and that that is okay. That is okay. So like I said, at the end of the day, Web 3.0 is decentralized. It's supposed to be much stronger on personal privacy. And it's supposed to be better than 1.0 and 2.0 because 2.0 was basically just big tech pushing their guts around and having a pissing match. And Web 1.0 is basically just a read-only version of the internet. So the thing is that blockchain also goes hand-in-hand with this. And they also follow a similar philosophy. And a blockchain is like a database because, you know, whatever is distributed on it is applied to the ledger because each new entry is added atop the row below it. And it's essentially an endless chain. So a blockchain can contain records of things like financial transactions. But unlike traditional databases, in blockchain, the ledger has no centralized authority. So it can exist simultaneously on thousands of computers and servers. But here's the thing. Because the blockchain is large, it can be a big thing. Sometimes you think about like how how much power is all of this going to take? How much power is this going to take? And that's one of the shortcomings. That's one of the things that we think about. And I'm going to quote from this article that I'm using for inspiration for this episode. Of course, it's going to be linked. Quote, to be sure, Web3 has its shortcomings. It can be extremely difficult to understand, especially for newcomers, as the old analogies no longer apply. It can be resource intensive and use massive amounts of energy. And because there is no centralized authority, it can still be open to fraud. If all of the entries in a ledger are deliberately false, it can ruin the accuracy of the entire blockchain. So, guys, Web3 is coming. It's it's already here in, in some ways. How do you access it? Phone, computer, tablet. If you trade cryptocurrency or have a crypto wallet, you're probably already using Web3. If you game online or access some online streaming services, you might be using Web3. So, guys, Web3, it's the new thing. It's the new shiny thing that's supposed to fix all of our problems. But here's the thing. It's not going to fix all of our problems, folks. It's not. It's going to create a new set. And hopefully it just makes the problems that Web2.0 had non-existent but I believe that there's still going to be that baggage of web 2.0 there are still going to be problems because in another evergreen episode I'm going to be talking about metaverses I'm going I'm going to dive deeper on this new way of thinking when it comes to the web because I believe that there are lots of shortcomings that we simply don't want to admit and people that like the technology are just saying hey 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 This is great. 
This is great. While it's not all what it's cracked up to be. Guys, Web3 in a nutshell. Follow me on Twitter at Dexter underscore Johnson. Share this podcast. It was a long one. It was a good one. It was informative. And until next time, I'll holler at you. Thank you for listening to another episode of In the Weeds with Dexter Johnson. I'm hoping you're coming away more empowered, educated, and enthralled in the technological world. Be sure to tell a friend, share this episode, and follow me on Twitter at Dexter underscore Johnson. And most importantly, stay tuned for future episodes. Until next time.